0: The Fiesta Bowl looms, and there are three questions that I want to have answered, and I think we will get answered. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you have not already, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code locked On for $20 off your first Purchase. maybe you haven't decided whether or not you're going down to the fiesta bowl i got news for you it is sunday so you best get on it but if you're down there in the area and you want a ticket game time's a spot to go but the fiesta bowl looms and there are a few questions that i want answered we'll talk about that what to know about liberty as well going into the game which kicks off 10 a.m pacific time oh boy early kickoff times we might as well get used to it as we head into the big 10 because that'll happen at least more often than it did before so Three questions. First one, will Austin Novosad play? So Ty Thompson is in the transfer portal. He still has not found a home just yet. I expect him to. I have no idea where. I I have not seen, heard, read, or even theorized about, well, I've theorized. That's not true. So I I have not seen or heard anything about where he could actually end up. But that leaves Austin Novasad as the number two quarterback in this game. I've talked about his potential future with the Ducks on past episodes. And if you missed it, here's what my take kind of is. If you're Austin Novosad, staying with the Ducks for 2024 in a quarterback room that'll have four guys makes perfect sense. You get another year to learn the same system. You can be as prepared as possible to try and start in 2025. But if going in spring football, it's clear you're not going to beat out Dante Moore going to the transfer portal and find a home, and then you've got a second year at Oregon under Will Stein, who's proven to be a great quarterbacks coach and a guru of sorts. I think that that's a pretty logical plan. It doesn't mean it's what he'll do. He could transfer out before the spring. We'll just have to see. But right now, he is Oregon's backup quarterback because though some guys have enrolled early from the 2024 class, including quarterback Luke Moga, those guys cannot play in the game. So it's Bo Nicks and it's Austin Novostad. And if Oregon gets a big lead in this game – Austin Nova said we'll get a chance to play and I and I hope he gets a chance to play number one because I like rewarding kids who work hard and put in the time and Austin Nova's had, obviously has done that throughout the course of the season I don't think anybody expected him to play but he's not someone who expected to play right away and he has stayed true to that to this point and I don't know that he always will but I know that he has to this point and it'd be fun to get to see him play. I mean, we only saw him for a couple snaps this year, one pass attempt that was almost a touchdown to Kenyon Sadiq against Portland state. And it was just kind of a dump off in the flat, but yeah, I, I would love to get tangible information against a team. Like this is more than a glorified scrimmage against Liberty. It's, it's far more than that. Even if Nova sat is in the game because Oregon has put the game out of reach, you're still going to have guys on the other side of the ball. <clears throat> excuse me. Who are playing their very hardest, who want to win the football game. So it'd be valuable experience for him. I think it'd be awesome to see him get the chance to do it. And it'd be good information for us as fans to understand okay, you know, we saw Dante Moore at UCLA and what didn't work there. We know what could work at Oregon with Will Stein and company, but what exactly is Novus at? Because, yeah, I'd, I'd have Dante Moore as the betting favorite to be the starting quarterback for the Ducks in 2025. Do I think that that's a given? Not necessarily because I know that Dante Moore has a lot of room to improve. So if Austin Novasad gets a chance, steps in, is a stud and impresses the coaches and then impresses them all off season and impresses them maybe in the spring game or in reserve work next year, who knows? Who knows? It's not as if Novasad is lacking talent. Dante Moore was a more highly touted recruit coming out of high school. Absolutely true. Are recruiting rankings everything? Absolutely not. So I think that for... For Novosad, it'd be really fun to get to see him play. He won't have Troy Franklin there. He will have Tez Johnson, who I'm talking about uh, later in today's show. But I think that there are eno- more than enough weapons and pieces offensively for the Ducks f- for us to get real feedback on where Novasad is at in his development, how much further he could have to go. So I hope that he plays. That is question number one. Question number two. What is the depth chart in the secondary? This is a secondary that has now been deprived of uh, Brian Addison, Damon David at safety. Now, David wasn't playing a ton. Neither was Addison towards the end of the year. But Kyrie Jackson and Triquez Bridges, two guys who were playing a lot this season, especially Jackson, who's, of course, an all-conference caliber guy this year. He's going to the NFL draft, so he's not going to play. Jaleel Florence appears to be a game-time decision. That's been Oregon's number two corner throughout the course of the year. So if you're without your top two corners, more than two guys play every game. So even if you have an idea of who the next two guys to step up would be in those slots without three of your top four corners from, uh, from large swaths of the season, Jackson and Florence are starting two, bridges, I think was probably the number four cornerback in there uh, behind Dante Manning. Dante Manning will probably be one cornerback. Nico Reed, probably at the other, but I mean, I, I, <laughs> you could see a whole host of guys get reps there. I, I mean, you could see, I don't know, Solomon Davis or Colin Gill, Dale and Austin. You could see Roderick Pleasant. I would expect Roderick Pleasant, given how much he played on special teams this year, to perhaps be higher up the depth chart, but we don't really know. We We, we don't really know what that's going to look like, but that's going to, I think, have uh, or at least provide a glimpse as to what could be in 2024. Now, something that I'm wary of, shall we say during this bowl season, as we get ready to watch the Fiesta Bowl and think about, you know, who could play that could earn playing time for the ducks in, in 2024 cornerback is a position where I definitely feel like that could be the case, but it also, it also bears repeating that a lot of things can change between now and then. remember, who was one of the standout defensive players for the Ducks in last year's holiday bowl win over North Carolina? It was Keith Brown because Noah Sewell said, I'm opting out, going to the NFL draft and was drafted by the Bears. Keith Brown stepped in and he had an awesome game. I thought he was good in coverage. He tackled well in space. He had a couple pressures on the quarterback. He looked like he was really good. And guess what? Transferred to Louisville, Keith Brown is actually back in the transfer portal after not playing a whole lot with uh, the Cardinals this season over in the ACC. So I think that for the Ducks, you can still have those guys who show glimpses and you know maybe get more time. I mean, Jordan James had a nice game in last year's Holiday Bowl. Guess what? Kind of showed that he's got more potential than just being a short yardage guy, and that is uh, plain and obvious to everybody that watched him this year. So I think that defensively, I am – more than a little intrigued to see which of those young guys and there's so many names are really able to pop and which of those young guys are able to show the coaching staff that hey we're deserving of being you know towards the top of the depth chart as we move into spring football because when you're losing your your best cover guy for the second straight year in Kyrie Jackson the previous year of course Oregon lost Gonzo that's a rather significant void to fill And Oregon did a good job filling it this past year. Lose Gonzo, bring in Kyrie Jackson. Both were all conference caliber guys. I think Kyrie was second team, whereas Gonzo was first team. But still, that was a really, really solid move in the transfer portal. And I think you can make the case that Oregon doesn't need to add any more transfer defensive backs. But maybe the bowl game will provide further information for the coaching staff as to whether or not they agree with that. So there are a lot of names out there. I think it's going to be a really fun position group to watch just to see, like, oh, that guy got on the field. Oh, hey, that that guy got on the field. Like at the safety position, you know, Damon David, Brian Addison, again, if Oregon plays the way they're capable of and they've got a big lead in the second half and you're starting to put guys on the field who, you know, weren't in the regular rotation throughout the course of the season, maybe, I don't know, I'm just trying to think, Tyler Turner, Cody DeCambra in the secondary at the safety spot, Maybe they get an opportunity, but that that's the second question that, uh, that I want to have answered. There's a third question, too, and it's on the offensive side of the ball. Here's a separate question for all of you. Have you checked out FanDuel yet? Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's it, just a $5 bet. You don't even have to win. You get $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is super easy to use, and there are a lot of different ways to bet. There are live same game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. They've got spreads, over unders, and so much more. Go visit fanduelcom on and make your first bet a layup. Again, you put down five dollars, win or lose, you get $150 in bonus bets, just like that. Go check out Fanduel today. Fanduel official partner of the NFL. Second segment Sips, official partner of keeping Spencer hydrated. So appreciate you all being tuned in. We got one more question to answer, and then we'll talk about uh, the opponent that Oregon will face on Monday morning. What to know about Liberty? Well, yeah, that comes up next after the wide receiver position. So no Troy Franklin in this game. That has been Oregon's best receiver this year. There's an argument that can pretty easily be made that Troy Franklin is the best Oregon receiver, at least of this century. I mean, statistically, he just had the best season. He set the record for receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. And he's probably going to be the highest drafted receiver that I've ever seen come out of Oregon. So, it, it I mean, it's up there. I don't think you can put together a top three Oregon wide receiver list to not have him on there. On, on my list of who I've watched in my lifetime, I'd probably have uh, him number one, probably Jeff Mayle number two, Um, maybe uh, Darren Carrington was really good. Uh, There are a lot of names you could, you could put in there. I'd have to think through that, but I don't think I can get through a top three list and not have those two in it. And I think I'd probably have Franklin number one. So without him there, the question becomes who steps up a wide receiver? Because we know that Tez Johnson is going to be a favorite target for Bo Nix. We know that Terrence Ferguson is going to be a favorite target. And those are guys that are uh, going to get their own topic here later in the show but without Troy Franklin there you've got two guys maybe three maybe four guys who could see a greater role the size of that role depends on who you're talking about so one name that's got everyone you know buzzing of course because of the the, the sort of recruit he was is Jurion Dickey the five-star wide receiver who you know he said recently was battling injuries throughout the year was never fully healthy and that's you know, perhaps the reason he didn't play i believe Dickey could play in the fiesta bowl and not burn his red shirt. Now, is that a priority for him? I don't know because if he ends up reaching his full potential, I don't think that's somebody who, you know, would be at Oregon for more than three years. If he really, really pops, he he could be an NFL kind of guy, but is there a guarantee that happens? No, there, there absolutely is not. So Dickey this year played, I think in just a couple games, but didn't actually record a reception um but you know the participation element is is what is what you have to know and i'm trying to figure that out right now in real time hey look he played so he has played in four games this year so would we see juri on Dickey my guess would be no that would that would be my assumption i could be wrong but when i look at who could step up in troy franklin's absence i look at two guys who transferred in this year who were almost surefire bets to be back next year, barring uh, a departure in the spring transfer portal window, and that's Treshawn Holden or Gary Bryant. Both guys had some really good moments this year. Gary Bryant's touchdown against Arizona State was one of the best individual plays of the season. Treshawn Holden, I think, showed in a number of instances that not that he was underutilized, but that he was kind of like Jordan James, where he's got more in the tank if you need him to have more, and so that would be my number one go-to of who fills that void left by Troy Franklin, because Bo knows him and we know Bo likes throwing to the guys that, you know, he's familiar and comfortable with. And that's kind of how most quarterbacks are. And I think Bo did a great job spreading the ball around this season, just to be clear, but in big spots, you know, a third down, he's going to Tez or Troy. That was Tez, Troy, or, you know, sometimes t Like it was one of those guys on third down, basically without fail. So, I think that for for Treshawn Holden, there's an opportunity for him to kind of cement his status as one of the top wide receivers on the outside for this offense in 2024. I think that he's got a ton of potential. We saw, we've seen his yards after catch pop up, like in uh, the Pac-12 championship game with that late touchdown. That's the sort of player he can be. And given where he was on the depth chart, I think he'd be the most logical choice. Gary Bryant Jr. would be an option as well. I'm curious about Kyler Casper because I've been high on him for a long time since Oregon recruited him out out of high school, and I think that for for Casper, he's someone who has just got immense potential. He's, uh, you know, already burned. He redshirted last year, and he's a redshirt right now. And I I do wonder how badly the staff wants to keep him around because if if they have a desire, the way that I do for him to be on the Ducks next year and be a part of the offense in a more significant way than he was this year, which was mostly in mop-up duty. Bowl games can be an opportunity to try to get a guy a couple of targets. I felt the staff kind of did that with Jordan James in the holiday bowl last year. He was the number three guy, but if you notice, he was only getting short yardage carries throughout the year. And then all of a sudden in the holiday bowl, he's getting a lot of carries uh, between the twenties rather than just on uh, you know, third and two or first and goal or, or anything like that. I didn't think that that was accidental. I've seen it happen in college sports before. Maybe that, maybe that happens here, but he's also a guy who, you know, has been with the team for a couple of seasons is tremendously talented, is physically ready to be on the field and could just be someone who lines up at that outside exposition and takes a bigger role and is just part of the offense in this fiesta bowl so those are the guys that i'd watch for at at wide receiver but let me know what you're looking for as as the game looms near i'm going to be doing a show uh after the game tomorrow that's why i'm doing a a sunday show here uh recording this on sunday morning just before it comes out and then you know the game is early tomorrow and i'll record a show kind of after the duck game and before the the late night uh college football playoff games and such because obviously i know we all want to watch those even though oregon's not in it but I'm curious who you want to see play. Drop him in the YouTube comments or hit me up on Twitter as well, at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. Let's talk about the opponent, that be Liberty. So what should Oregon fans know about Liberty? First and foremost, this is an offensively driven team, and they like to run the football, and they like to run the football a lot, so much so they actually led the country in rushing this year. That's a title that is usually reserved for a service academy, right? An Air Force, a Navy, an Army, someone who's running the triple option. That's what Liberty did this year. They, they ran the ball for over 300 yards per game this season. Now, they played the weakest schedule in of, of anybody playing in a New Year's Six Bowl game by a lot, right? They're 13-0, and 0, which is very impressive. It is not an easy thing to do. It was their first year in Conference USA, and Jamie Chadwell, who came over from Coastal Carolina, he won the Sun Belt last year or at least got to the championship game and then won conference USA this year and year one with the flames after uh, Hugh freeze went to be the head coach at Auburn. I, I think that he's done a fantastic job and that's a really difficult thing to do. That said, they have not faced a team like Oregon. It's not like Cincinnati from a couple of years ago where they're playing eh, just an okay schedule. Um, even Cincinnati's was better because the Americans better than conference USA, especially after the realignment and such. But they don't have like a Power 5 win on there or a high level G5 win. They just have, you know, some good Conference USA wins. Like they beat New Mexico State in the Conference USA title game. New Mexico State, good team from Conference USA. Not a great team in the context of national college football. So they they have uh really developed what I think is a unique scheme offensively I haven't really seen it anywhere else the only one that I can kind of think of is Brennan Marion at UNLV in the go-go offense but they run a triple option base with their ground game but they do it out of the shotgun with a lot of heavy backfield looks they run a lot of motion Jeffrey Bossa and Justin Jacobs are going to have to be very very solid and uh, Taishim Johnson at safety as well who announced that he's coming back more on that in a moment but I, I think that the linebackers are going to have to be very, very sound with their assignments here because what Liberty likes to do is give you triple option looks with a wide receiver or put three guys in the backfield and line them up in creative ways and, you know, show like they're going to run to the right, but actually run an option to the left. They, they, they run a lot of creative looks and they are capable of throwing the ball their quarterback Caden Salter you know ran for over a thousand yards this year but he also completed just 61 percent of his passes but for about 2800 yards 27 touchdowns to five picks a guy who began his career at Tennessee their running back Quinton Cooley averages over six yards a carry he went over 1300 yards this season and had 16 touchdowns so when you've got that guy and your quarterback is a thousand yard rusher who also has 12 scores on the ground, you can anticipate that they're going to come out and have that same sort of look. I, I have confidence in Oregon's defense just because I don't think Liberty, though they're clearly a good team, they have not faced a front like Oregon's. They they, they, they just have not. And with Brandon Dorless playing, you know, Popo Amavai opted out, but Dorless is playing and Birch is there and you got Taki Taimani and Casey Rogers and We'll see if guys like Amari Washington, maybe, or Terrence Green, Johnny Bowens, any of those guys, if they get uh, more snaps in in the bowl game here. But I, I think that stopping the rushing attack is, is, is where you look to beat Liberty. If you do that, if you hold them under 200 yards rushing and a team did not run for over 200 yards against Oregon this season, if you hold them under 200 yards rushing – you're going to win the football game. And I think Oregon is up to about 18 point favorite for a reason. And that's the Liberty is capable of throwing it, but you know, it's, it's uh, it's an adjacent part of their offense. The run game is the feature. Oregon's been great stopping the run this season and they've played much better teams with uh, a lot better players. This is a unique scheme. And I think that's where Liberty could have, you know, an edge is Oregon hasn't played a team that runs the ball like this, but overall, I feel really confident in the Ducks personnel and I do think Oregon uh, is going to win the football game. I think they're going to do so handily. Will they cover? Well, I'll get to my prediction later in the show. If you haven't decided to go to the game yet, game time can still give you tickets. They've even got deals right up to when any event starts and they've got deals an hour after the game starts As well. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last-minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind, peace of mind with your purchase, and you can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $20 off. That's code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, so that's the basic stuff to of, of what to know about Liberty and the way that they're going to run the football, they want to run the football. They'll throw it. This is not a complete, you know, triple option attack that is going to throw the ball 5 or 6 times a game. It's just what they want to do is rooted in in the ground game. So, you know, uh, Jeffrey Boss and Justin Jacobs and all the linebackers, Jamal Hill, they're going to have to have good games, Devin Jackson in that mix uh, as well, but Taisheem Johnson, I think, is a really important player for the Ducks here to try and, you know, make those plays in the backfield that he's been so good at this year. He's been a really, really solid tackler for the Ducks. And I think that him, his ability to make plays around the line of scrimmage and in the backfield as kind of that, you know, nickel star safety, whatever you want to call it, is is going to be important for the Ducks as they, as they try to beat the Flames. So Uh, This question came in from Monica. The mailbag is always open, by the way. YouTube comments, hit me up on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks DMs and mentions wide open. If you want to become a Locked on Ducks insider and get all my instant reactions to the breaking news and everything that's going on in the football world. You can also get priority mailbag access and talk with me one-on-one. You can go join the Locked on Ducks subtext community. Link in the description below, wherever you listen to or watch the show. Free 14-day trial. Then it's just $5 a month, but not required at all. Hi, Spencer. I have heard podcasters saying that Liberty has a chance against the Ducks because our linebackers, quote, read the ball, not the line, end quote. Thoughts. I don't know who these podcasters are. One question I would ask them is, why would you read the line when there are offensive play schemes literally designed to fool you with what the line of scrimmage does? Curious. Curious. I am not a football coach. I think I have a solid understanding of X's and O's. Here's something I know for certain. There are schemes in an offensive line in which you'll have a guard, a tackle, or even the center sometimes pull around to try and fool linebackers and defensive backs into thinking that it's a run. Because traditionally, running plays have involved, you know, if you're running a power scheme, for instance, you know, a certain number or a certain lineman blocked down, and then usually a guard or a tackle pulls around into the hole. So for a long time in football, when defensive players saw a lineman pull, that meant it was going to be a run. And a lot of times teams do pull on the run, but what football off what offensive football coaches figured out, I don't know, within the last decade or so is, I don't, what, I don't know where exactly you can pinpoint it is if you pull an offensive lineman, you can orchestrate a certain protection scheme, but you can also freeze the defense and make them say, okay, that offensive lineman's pulling. Why is he pulling? Is he pulling out for, you know, a kickout block on a defensive end on a gap scheme to run the football or is he pulling around just to pass protect to make you think that they're running the football while they take a shot down the field? So I'm not sure who those podcasters are or why they think it's a bad thing to read the ball rather than the line. But the line is often designed to be eye candy for that reason. And last time I checked, wherever the ball is is going to determine where a linebacker needs to go, where he wants to go uh, and and where he ultimately does go and where he should be going as well. So those would be my thoughts on that particular matter. One announcement that Oregon's got ahead of this game is that Tysheem Johnson, who was uh, all Pac-12 honorable mention this year, is back. He is going to be back in Oregon secondary next year. That is a surefire ordeal. Signed, sealed, delivered. Johnson is back. He's been a solid player for the Ducks. I think he was okay in coverage. Not bad, but certainly not you know an elite cover guy. But I also think that he is a really, really good tackler. He's a solid blitzer at times, and he has also got really good speed. That was one of the reasons I think he was brought in, as Dan Lanning talked about, hey, you know, we want to be faster as a team. I think Taishim Johnson was part of that conversation this year. There are other NFL announcements that we're still waiting on, right? We've heard from Kyrie Jackson going to the NFL, Troy Franklin, Jackson Powers Johnson, those two All-Americans, they're going to the NFL. Bo Nix is, of course, done after this Fiesta Bowl against Liberty. The two guys that I am most anxious to hear on Jeffrey Bassa is kind of honorable mention on who I'm most eagerly waiting on, but I feel good about Oregon's linebacker room uh, though. I love Bassa and he had a great season. Second team, all pack 12 Terrence Ferguson and Tez Johnson. Both guys have got NFL decisions ahead of them. Terrence Ferguson, could have one more year if he wants. He was a four-star guy back in the 2021 class, and he's one of the best players from that highest-ranked recruiting class of all time for the Ducks, at least from a a total composite score standpoint on 24-7 sports. I'm pretty sure this year's class got close. Um, uh, Anyway, Terrence Ferguson has got a decision to make. I have been on the T. Ferguson NFL guy train for really the last, really since I started hosting the show. I've always been very high on him. And he had a great season this year. He he had a great season this year. He was first team all pack 12. He's got phenomenal hands. He is a good blocker. I don't know about great, but I think he's better than he gets credit for, but he has got great hands. And I look at the tight ends who are thriving in the NFL, you know, like that, that guy, Jake Ferguson, who's at, uh, who's on the Cowboys. He went to Wisconsin. He's been doing really well. I don't see why Terrence Ferguson can't be that kind of guy. So, I think that he's got plenty of potential. I would love to have him back, but I don't know what he's going to do. How much higher could his draft stock get? I don't know. I don't know. I think he's going to wait to hear or or has been waiting to hear from the NFL draft scout community of, hey, what's my grade? How could I possibly get better? I think that's where his head is at. But when you're a first-team All-Pac-12 guy and you've made the growth that he's shown over the course of his career – I wouldn't be surprised if he left, but that would be a sizable loss on the offensive side of the ball. But we'll cross that bridge if, and when we come to it, Tez Johnson, same thing. Johnson is every quarterback's best friend, which is a great route runner out of the slot with phenomenal hands. Who's also got great yards after the catch ability. So Johnson is someone who could have one more year if he decides to come back and, I would welcome both back with open arms. I'd also understand why they'd go to the NFL. I think T Ferg's NFL prospects are better than Johnson's just because Tez Johnson is very small, but also if you're fast, which he is, y- you tend to be able to make it places and he's got great hands and he's an outstanding route runner. So I think that if Johnson comes back, I hope Dylan Gabriel's on the phone with him saying, Hey man, would love to have you back for one more year. I I like having a reliable underneath guy at Oklahoma. It was Bob Stoops kid, and that would be Tez Johnson for Dylan Gabriel. So I would very much like if that happened, but those are the two decisions that we're still waiting on, and and we'll see if and when uh, we have clarity on the matter for both of those guys. But to wrap things up, I think Oregon wins the Fiesta Bowl. I think they do it comfortably. I think that Oregon builds a big lead, and it's one of those games where the final score – Is not as close as the score indicated. I I think Oregon goes up like 35 to 10, or maybe 35 to 13 or so, 35-4 to somewhere in that kind of range. And then, you know, you get some other guys in there, get them some reps, get them some time, and, you know, maybe, and Liberty scrapes their way through the back door because they're a capable offense and uh, it's a tricky offense to defend, as I talked about earlier. But I got Oregon 38, Liberty 24. I won't be surprised if that game if that score ends up being like 45 to 10 either because Oregon's got a sizable talent gap here, and this is the best team Liberty's played by a lot. And I think Oregon will have enough motivation to go out and win the football game, but I think that's the gap why I kind of lean towards maybe a backdoor cover, cover is this is the biggest game in the history of Liberty's football program. They, they have not won a New Year's Six Bowl, to my knowledge, and they have not played a team the caliber of Oregon before on this sort of stage, this is a big deal for them. And for Oregon, it's about finding a way to get yourself motivated enough because it's not the game you want to be in, but it's still an opportunity to win 12 games, which has only happened five times in the history of Oregon football. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always go ducks.